Hey, Demi Room. If you're listening to this, you feel exactly the way I do and the way Nate does right now because we just heard about Kim's passing earlier today. Right now it's about 2.30 a.m. I still ain't over it. It's just all fucked up, man. You know, we lose these great talents, and I know you feel exactly the same way that we do. And just want to say to everyone who listens, you know, life is short. Tell the people you love that you love them. Let people know how you feel and do exactly what you want to do that makes you happy because life really is too short. With that said, we're going to play a little bit of Kim Shattuck for you right after this moment of silence. Hope you guys are doing okay. And just remember, we do have the music still, so that's a plus. But anyways, let's have a little moment of silence for Kim. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hi, we're the Dick Cracks from Austria. And you're listening to the Dummy Room. Dummy up. This is the big time, girly. This is rock and roll. Hey everybody, you're tuned into the Dummy Room. I'm Jody Havnot, joined as always by Mr. Nate Demo. What's up? What's happening, dude? Not much, man. Uh, uh, kind of a crazy weekend. Oktoberfest uh, landed in my city, took a big shit, and left. <laughs> dude, I hate Oktoberfest. Why? It's 
I it's just kind of chaos around here. Like, Is it? yeah, it's it's like the second biggest one in like the world, you know. Besides, like a big one in Germany. Really. Um. But yeah, it's. Wait, wait. So lacrosse has one of the biggest like Oktoberfest in the whole world. Like for real. Yeah, it's fucking huge here. Why? I don't know. I have no Germans idea. Over there, or what? Mm, I just we drink, man. It's drinking here is important, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But no, it's uh, it used to be like a two week thing, and now it's just like a weekend. So it like, you know, they they do this uh, tapping of a golden keg Friday morning. Really. And like, yeah, when I go to work, you know, like Friday morning, there's people already drunk downtown. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and you know, by the time I come home, it's like everybody's out. You know, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the campus area. I mean, the house parties at four or five o'clock in the afternoon are spilling into the street. Wow. It's nuts. And then at night, it gets nuts. Um, you know, just huge parties. It's it's a major thing. Wow. Um, then Saturday they have like a big huge parade. And the parade is, it's it's like basically half the city. I mean, it's like half the city long, you know? And everybody there is out drinking. So, I mean, it's just, you could drink at the parade. It doesn't matter. And, I mean, the, the fucking parade is like, the crowd is like 20 feet deep on each side. <laughs> Damn. It's nuts. And it's just like, so when it ends, basically it ends, there's trash everywhere for like the rest of the day on Saturday. And it's just like... Uh, spilt beer and vomit stained concrete you know wow yeah and it's it's just it, it, i don't know i think it's terrible but it's kind of like a northern mardi gras situation huh yeah it, it's it's pretty nuts so the downtown like they block it off at night so there's no you know i guess for crowd control but they take like huge dump trucks you know like city trucks yeah and just park them on all the side streets wow so are people like like in the streets with big like beer steins and all that shit um oh yeah and there's like yeah, those I mean, women in that traditional german garb with oh, this, like, lots of that shit yeah i like that it's kind of cool yeah well come on up next year dude there's a lot of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's like clogs and all that kind of shit yeah leader leader hosen is yeah that what they yeah call it? yeah it, it reminds me of like european vacation yeah, it looks like that a little bit, but um, add in like, you know, 50,000 drunk frat boys. Ooh, actually, maybe that doesn't <laughs> sound so great. <laughs> so um, I got a nice message the other day from uh, Morton from the Yum Yums, dude. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he listened to last week's episode, oh, okay. the uh, the baby epi- episode. Yeah. And um, yeah, apparently he liked it, whatever thanked us for playing yum yums um apparently he likes the show i don't i don't know that's cool um so thanks thanks for listening and and you know that song i sent you yeah that great yum yums cover dude who's singing that Things roll. 
is uh baby dynamite that's his daughter's band oh really yeah wow (laughs) i heard it and i was i was actually i was actually on my way home and i uh i got that fucker and i played it and i just kind of started laughing how cool it was you know (laughs) super cool sounds great yeah so this song is um it's going to be part of uh some future yum yums tribute album i don't know much about it so but all i know is there's a there's a yum yums tribute and of course there should be man guys uh guys got a fucking ton of great songs totally and um yeah so how cool is that have your daughter's band play on your tribute album super cool dude you know that's got to be really special for him you know so yeah but uh it's it was like uh kind of made my day man knowing that uh you know morton from the yum yums is listening yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what else is happening? Uh, we have, I have an announcement coming on Tuesday. Tuesday happens to also be um, Johnny Ramone's birthday. Well, it would be Johnny Ramone's birthday. So this coming Tuesday, so like five days from now, from when this is being released. So yeah, everyone will uh, will hear the announcement. And I think you people are going to dig it. So this is going to be episode 74. 74. And uh, tonight we got 
Zach Damon from Zoinks and Big in Japan and Crush Story and Screeching Weasel and Squirt Gun and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's not so. we. You and Zach are going to have a conversation. Yeah, so you had technical issues. Yeah, I had to bow out of this one at the last minute because my fucking mic wouldn't work, dude. It was like, it sounded like my mic was picking up alien transmissions from outer space. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. making some really obnoxious noises. And by the magic of compressed air, it's pretty much working fine right now. <laughs> so that's a plus. But yeah, I got fucked over and I had to miss out on the Zach episode. I got to tell him I was sorry and all that shit before those guys started recording, which was fine. So, But yeah, it kind of sucked for me. I was looking forward to that all week and then boom, nothing. But yeah, Nate yeah. did a fine job without me. You don't need me. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, no, it was it was fun. I mean, that guy's, you know, I've been listening to that guy forever, right? And it was kind of our second try with him, so. Right, well, at least it still happened, you know. We didn't want to <laughs> not do it just because I was getting fucked around over here. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't be having an episode this week, probably. And we definitely don't want to miss an episode, if, if at all possible, so. Nope. Nope. So, yeah, so check this out, Nate and Zach Damon, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of it, huh? Yep. D-U-M-M-Y-R-O-O-M. Coming up next, we got a guest. We got a guest. Coming up next. Coming up next. We got a guest. We got a guest. Coming up next. All right, we're here with uh, Zach Damon. Of course, Zach played in uh, The Mighty Zoinks, uh, Crush Story, Big in Japan, uh, Miracle Drugs, and of course, he was a member of Screeching Weasel a couple times, uh, Squirt Gun, Common Rider. I don't even know who else, Zach. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Great, great. Um, should let you know, uh, everybody know that Jody had some uh, technical problems, so he is not with us. So hopefully, uh, hopefully his shit gets fixed for next week but yeah wishing you guys the best <laughs> thanks so you're uh you're in reno i am that's cool did you grow up there uh i mean for the most part i suppose i, I wasn't born here but moved to this area um grade school and uh did high school here and uh moved away a couple times for short periods of time but came back so i've been here for most of my life cool i guess i just want to kind of dive right into zoinks if you don't mind sure uh you started the band with uh rob right yeah 93 ish yeah around yeah 93 sounds about right what were you uh like what were you prior to zoinks were you doing anything band wise or Anything yeah, like that? Yeah, the the uh, original drummer in Zoinks who uh, plays on the first 7-inch and all those hidden songs on the Stranger Anxiety CD, um, a guy named Colin Pantel. I was playing in a band with him um, that was really, really bad. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was trying to really, you know, I really wanted to be in a band and these were friends of mine and 
we I was trying to make the best of it. Um, two of the guys um, just have, we we just didn't we didn't mesh very well, <laughs> you know. Or mm-hmm. even though we had some similar taste in music, like what what they wanted to do and what I wanted to do were entirely different, um, and it just wasn't very good. So uh, Colin and I quit that band and then uh, started Zoinks with Rob. Um, and prior to that, that band, I was in a straight edge band called discipline also with Colin. So I, I had been in a, f- a few bands with Colin, actually my first band ever in high school was with Colin. So he kind of, I was with him all the way through, uh, to Zoinks and, um, and then he got his girlfriend pregnant and, uh, decided music wasn't for him. So and uh, we found Bob. So that's kind of how uh, how the band started. Cool. Yeah, I've been. Uh, I th- I got into Zoinks probably. I was still in high school, like 94, 95. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I don't know. I was always kind of um, kind of impressed because you know you guys were from Reno, which I'm in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and that wasn't one of the places. You know, I'd never nobody was from reno you know at that time you know every it was chicago san francisco berkeley you know every you know all that shit right um so for, for uh for zoinks to hit my rate you got you guys were on rhetoric for a little bit you know you weren't on labels just just your local labels you you were kind of nationwide so i was always kind of impressed with that you guys were so fucking good that um yeah i guess i'm just trying to say i was just impressed that coming from you know nowhere reno i guess <laughs> you know yeah well it, it, reno reno does uh, reno's uh claim to fame as far as music goes the biggest band to ever come out of reno is seven seconds you and i in a little toy shop by a bag of balloons with the money we've got set them free at the break of dawn to one by one they were gone
So that was they were our predecessors. So there was a, somewhat of a scene there, I guess. Uh, when we <laughs> started the band, not really. There, I mean, one there, there was one that was kind of just waking up. I think around the time we started, um, it was like uh, we started the band, and then all of a sudden, a few bands started coming through town. Whereas before there was nobody coming through town, but like I saw Screeching Weasel back in those days. Um, and I was surprised at how many people were at the show. And I was like, wow, there's, I, I had no idea that there were other people in town that were even aware of uh, some of the bands I was listening to at the time. Uh, Green Day played here uh, shortly before they went big. And there was a, probably three, 400 people at that show. And that really surprised me at mm. the time. So there was, there was kind of like bubbling under the surface, a scene. And then, uh, band, more and more bands started coming through town. And we were like the only band that fit with all these bands. So we opened for everybody that was, you know, on deck to become huge. So we opened for Pennywise, no effects, Offspring, Face to Face, all those kinds of bands. Um, and I think that's kind of what got us some notoriety around here right out, right from the get-go. And then, um, yeah, and then we just did uh, that first recording, did a couple of local releases, and it just took off from there, largely because of Bob. Because Bob was already really heavily involved in, uh, you know, the, the zine world. Yep. So he had a lot of connections and knew a lot of people. And um, I doubt we would have uh, gotten to where we did get to if it weren't for his involvement in the band. So I have to give him a lot of credit there. Yeah, I used to read uh, Second Guess and um, yeah. his column. I, I, I only remember it being in Punk Planet. I don't remember. Was he in Maximum Rock and Roll or just Punk Planet? Just Punk Planet, I yeah. believe. 
all I remember really, I've read it, it's been, you know, 20 years probably, but um, he used to just bitch about work and all yeah. the jobs he had. Yeah, that's pretty much all I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much anything that annoyed him. That's what that's what that zine was dedicated to. <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bob was, um, uh, he was a great drummer, very like, uh, I don't know, very technical. He had a very yeah. unique style. And, yes, he and, did. And I would I would say that's another big part of uh, what made Zoinks somewhat unique, um, you know, compared to other bands of our ilk at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, his drumming style was very un- unorthodox. I didn't know it at the time. Like I, I really, um, you know, I knew what sounded good to me, but I didn't know like technically what what i i thought a drummer should do with my songs you know and so i didn't i just let him do whatever (laughs) so i didn't know any better nowadays i probably would have been like no you're not doing that but back then i didn't know any better so it just kind of worked out that way you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he was uh he was cramming a lot of uh sounds into every song oh yeah yep yeah a lot lots of uh kick and and snare hits going on in very small spaces for sure yeah lots of fills and it, yeah but listening to it now i mean i still listen to i still listen to the albums uh a lot you know pretty consistently and um sounds great though i mean it's such a, i've seen some of his videos online too mm-hmm. so which didn't really surprise me the first time i saw when i was you know he's still very much into drumming so oh yeah yeah yeah, last time we did a little reunion thing uh, around 2005, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, reawakened his interest in drumming. Um, and we we were talking to each other for a while after that, and then it just kind of fell off. I haven't I haven't spoke to him in a, a quite a long time actually. Now, hmm. yeah, yeah, I um I saw Zoinks three times. Um, never with you. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I, the first time I saw, I think it was in, uh, I think it was in Madison and, um, it, Arnie was in the band and, um, yeah. I remember kind of, you know, this is like pre-internet, you know, <laughs> so I didn't really know like much and kind of <laughs> watching you guys play and it's like, God, I don't think that's, I don't think that's <laughs> Zach, you know, I'm like, right. he's, he's playing right handed and sounds yeah, like it yeah. doesn't really look like you know that kind of thing but um yeah, yeah yeah but i never saw him with you but arnie i always thought did like this i mean he did the songs really good yeah um but he was in the band before you left right yeah um so and, i always kind of wondered why you left like did you just yeah well ironically part of the reason why we added him to the band was because i was already not i was already kind of feeling a little disenchanted and i was looking for a way to enhance the band i think and so unfortunately um not having the presence of mind to to uh kind of foresee what where that might be heading (laughs) i got him in the band he moved here and and everything and and then uh, I it just wasn't working for me, so I left. And yeah, he they, he was pretty angry at me for a while, and I don't blame him because he he like uprooted his life to be in the band. 
And um, but uh, oddly enough, he is the one member that I still talk to um, <laughs> to this day. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I just uh, I wanted to do something different at that point. I guess um, I wanted to uh, mature um, in my songwriting and and what we were doing musically, and um, I just wasn't happening for me. And and Rob was starting to write a lot more songs, and it just kind of it was one of those bands that never really had a captain, you know. It was yeah. it was it was a fully a group effort, and um, there was nobody uh, in charge of quality control. So it was just like every song that was written, we played it, we recorded it, and you know. <laughs> and uh, if if anybody were, or namely me, if I were to say, well, I don't like that song, then that would be a problem, you know. So rather than fight that. I just opted to leave and do my own thing. Yeah. Um, so after Zoinks, did you go right to Crush Story? Or Yes. Uh, that was, yeah, I think if memory serves, that was pretty immediate. And I think that was the, uh, the whole reason, really, that I left the band was to do Crush Story. And it just so happened that around that time, um, I had already been filling in for Squirt Gun, and then I was asked to join Screeching Weasel. So all that kind of happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in like three bands at once <laughs> around that time. I remember getting the uh, the Crush Story Seven Inch, the first uh, the first single, and I think I bought it um, from Mutant Pop, and it was one of those uh, you know Zach from Zoinks is in the band. Right, um, right. So I get it, and it's completely different. Yet, told sounds just like Zoinks because of you, you know. But the songs, yeah. were, it was like, um, you know, you started listening to Elvis Costello. It sounded like a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I got more interested in um, like indie rock and, and like seventies power pop and new wave, and I just got, I you know, it was all stuff I was already listening to. I just got more interested in that type yeah. of music, and I was more interested in writing and playing that type of music. And so, um, you know, and I tried to kind of mix that in with Zoinks. It just didn't work. So, yeah, that's kind of why. That's that's it, really. You know, that the first seven inch is still maybe my favorite single of all time. Really? Yeah, I, I fucking love it. It's so good. Every time I see one, I buy it. Yeah. And just give them to anybody who doesn't have it, you know? <laughs> You're talking about the Zoinks 7 No, 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 no. I'm story. talking about the Crush story. Oh, the, uh, oh, oh. That, that awesome. first single with uh, Trial and Error and Spook Out and Pressure yeah. Building. Yeah. I love that record. I actually I started a label at that time uh-huh. in 98, and I remember I wrote. I wrote to, I don't even know who it was. I, I don't know if it was like an address on the back. I wrote to somebody, like mm-hmm. wrote a letter, and I wanted to do a, a Crush Story record. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> to put out a 7-inch. And I never heard back, you know? So I hope I, I don't even know. Maybe I wrote, I don't know. I don't know who Weird. I wrote, But Maybe you, did you write the label that put I, that I, out? Seven, I can't believe I would write seven. I'm not that dumb, but yeah, that was <laughs> pretty funny. Because <laughs> I could see Pete just ignoring that totally 
Yeah. So (laughs) speaking of that, I got one funny question. I've always wondered for like 25 years now. Um, I, I, I think it might be, have something to do with Pete, but what's the story behind the guy getting yelled at on on bad move, you know, about the, uh, shitting in the hallways and shitting in the stairwells? Fucking kids, crazy fucking kids. Over here, you crazy bastards. You use that fall letter word a hundred times in this paper. How many times did you see it in the journal and the, and the papers in the other papers today? Did you see that word in there this morning? No. But you got it in your paper a hundred and fifty, two hundred times. So you what? Kids to distribute it. It's just a word. It's just a word. Oh yeah, to you it's just a word. That's right. That's right. It's just a word. So what is it to you? It's just a word. What's? But I, you have no contract. This place is padlocked to you tonight. And I'm going to the police department right now, and there'll be a couple of deputies here tonight. And I'm not going to mess around anymore with this crap, with these shows and all this crap that you're pulling off in this town. But there's nothing wrong with the shows. I mean, oh, nothing giving... wrong with it. Syringes in the in the in the uh, hypodermic needles, uh, marijuana butts, shitting in the halls, shitting in the staircases, breaking the. That's a bunch of bullshit. Well, come over here and I'll show it to you, you dumb asshole. Come over and I'll show it to you. I will come over right there. Right now, come on over here. What are you talking about? I'm talking about they're destroying my building. There's no, no destruction going on. Well, come over here and I'll show you. Okay. Where are you now? I'm at my house. Where? On uh, Ryland <laughs> Everybody wants to know the story behind that telephone call. All right, so uh, at the time, Pete was kind of like the go-to main like punk rock-ish, anything in the under the umbrella of punk. He was the main guy booking shows around town. Mm-hmm. And I lived with him at the time at a house, uh, a punk house uh, called Ryland Street, which hosted many, many bands uh, in, in the years that, that uh, he rented that house. Um, but anyway, so we were doing a lot of shows at a venue downtown here called the Fallout Shelter. And it was the basement of a uh, you know, fairly tall building. I, well, maybe like four or five stories downtown Reno. And so it was in the basement and um, the guy that ran the place was the son of the owner of the building. And he was an older man. So his father was much older. Um, so that's who Pete was talking to on the phone was this guy's father. So the guy that did, I can't remember his name, but the guy that, that ran the venue um, was an older, like a middle-aged uh, gay man. And I believe if memory serves, uh, he had HIV and he was sick at the time. And so I think that probably had uh, played a role in why the guy was so upset on the phone because his yeah. son son was ailing. Um, but anyway, so we had a show booked there and I'm not sure w- where the guy got all his information, but he heard all this of all these things going on at, at the shows we were doing uh, at this venue. And he called Pete to tell him that uh, he wasn't allowed to do any more shows there. And so that's what that was. And it was like mid conversation, Pete decided to hit record on his uh, phone machine. 
And uh, <laughs> so that's that's that conversation. And uh, the, the funny thing about it is um, everything that he's talking about, well, most of it's totally ridic- ridiculous, obviously. But um, any anything that was going on, um, you know, that was shady had to do with a bar that was upstairs. So there was a bar upstairs um, that was kind of a really, really kind of shady dive bar. And the venue shared bathrooms with the bar. So you had to go up. I, I can't remember. It's been so long. But you had to go up like a stairwell up to another floor to go to the bathroom from the venue. <laughs> and it sh- those were the bathrooms for the bar. So the hypodermic needles and the shitting in the halls and all that, those that was all happening from the people at the bar. But for whatever reason, this guy thought it was the shows just, I don't know. Cause punks, you know, punk yeah, kids, yeah. it just seemed to fit in his head, I guess. And so he blamed it on the shows. And I, I, I believe Pete ended up uh, talking to the guy after the fact and, and uh, working it out. But uh, that's, that's, so that's the story of that conversation. <laughs> I always wondered exactly. I, I think I'd heard somewhere that it was Pete. Um, of yeah, course, Pete was. did. Um, Pete was a sticker guy too, or still yeah, is. Still is. And yeah. uh, I, I've I've had a few few different stickers from Pete. So yeah, he, um, yeah. He was always like, you know, in high school. It seemed like just out of high school too. He was like the guy, you know. Yeah. 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 He was. Uh, when I first met him, he had like a you know like a little tuft of hair on his chin and really long straight hair and wore a flat brim baseball hat you know it was a total like snowboarder bro <laughs> and he just turned into this but yeah he was he was starting to book shows and and he started up this little sticker business and i remember when uh he, you know he first started and we moved into ryland street he was using a hand scanner to scan images Hmm. <laughs> he actually made like a little track so that he wouldn't, you know, go off, like make the image crooked or anything. So that's how like archaic it started out. Um, but yeah, so we used to get all, all our stickers done through him, obviously. And, and yeah, he just grew that in, into a legitimate business, man. Still going strong to this day. Who would have thunk? Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, yeah. just nuts that you could live off of stickers i mean yeah and he lives pretty well man <laughs> that's cool of course, of course he's got his other you know his uh his label too slovenly which is um doing pretty well from what i understand in the kind of garage rock psych rock scene okay. you know um it's uh you know he's had like he's had some bands that were poached by like some pretty big people um I can't remember the dude's name. The guy from uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen's band that was in uh, Sopranos. What's that guy's name? Oh, uh, Jimmy uh, Van Zant, Steven. Steven. Is that it? Is it Steven? Yeah, yeah. Is it Little Steven's Garage? He had that radio show. Yeah, yeah. And- that guy. So he has a label, and he actually poached a band or Pete's label. So yeah, so he's doing pretty well. He's uh, you know flying around the world all the time, DJing, putting on festivals, and and he's got people running his business back here. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. So in the middle of uh, middle of the whole, I don't know, crush story, you you obviously joined Screeching Weasel. Um, yeah. Were you working at Sonic at that time? Is that how you, that kind of happened? 
No, that that kind of was um, that 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 coincided. So that was kind of like it was all masses doing because um, I had already been touring a lot with Squirt Gun at that point, and um, you know, Mass and Lumley joined the band, and Ben wanted uh, someone to play guitar and do all the lead work and someone that could sort of sound like vapid and mass recommended me. And so that's how I got in the band. And, uh, part of that, you know, sweetening the deal, so to speak, mass offered for me to come live with him in Lafayette and work in the studio and, and uh, learn the trade. So, uh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I lived out there for about nine months, I think, something like that. Not too long. Yeah, I remember uh, when I found out you were in Weasel, I thought it was so cool because, you know, I was a fan of you, but um, you were, I think everybody knew you were a fan of, of Screeching Weasel. You know, you get yeah. the, the tattoo and shit, you know? Yeah. So it was just, it was, uh, I don't know, it was just, yeah, it was, if anyone's going to do it, it might as well be somebody <laughs> that people know, you know? It was a big deal for me at the time. And yeah, I I had been a fan uh, since high school, and you know I graduated in '91, so I, I was already listening to uh, Bugada, loved that record, and then uh, my brain hurts came out and was bl- I was blown away by that record. a huge fan at the time still am a fan um but yeah so yeah getting the call from ben <laughs> was like uh-oh did, uh-huh. did you know that yeah. call was coming or were yeah you completely okay how yeah, was that no, like when you found i assume mass told you that ben's gonna call like are you you gotta get nervous as fuck oh, at that yeah. point right i was so nervous <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh it was a bit awkward of a of a telephone conversation but you know apparently it didn't it didn't dissuade him <laughs> from asking me to join the band so it worked out i suppose 
at some point did you uh you ever just go fanboy on him and just start asking him all kinds of questions uh not really uh i don't know if you've ever gotten to hang out with ben or or, or met him um but if you hang out with him he he talks a lot so you don't really have to ask him questions. He just <laughs> he just goes. He has um, a lot to say. You're not the first person to uh, tell us that on this show. <laughs> so he was actually he did an episode with us. Oh yeah, and, um, episode 27. Coincidentally, right. it just happened to work out that way. Really? Was, yeah. Wow. It was yeah. Um, pretty crazy. Kelsey Kelsey Weasel made that happen for us. So. Oh yeah. Yep. But not wow. really as episode 27. It just happened to be that that was happening at that time so that's crazy yeah so uh, yeah you played in weasel and then you leave weasel i don't remember the circumstance did were they done again did they take another little break uh i just um no they didn't take a break at that point no no they kept going because uh phil came uh, in phil yeah phil came in after me um i i just uh you know, I moved out to Lafayette. I had a girlfriend back here that I was trying to maintain a long distance relationship with. And I still had crush story going. Um, and, uh, I think I expected something different than what I got. Um, as far as screeching weasel goes, like I, I thought we'd be playing shows and uh, touring (laughs) and stuff. And it ended up just being a lot of grueling (laughs) recording sessions and um uh and then lafayette you know i didn't really know anybody other than you know mass and his inner circle there and i lived at his house and was at the so i was like with mass like 24 7 and uh it just i i started to kind of go crazy (laughs) (laughs) and i missed my girlfriend at the time and uh yeah I, i think after we did uh television city dream i was just like ah i'm i'm gonna go back home (laughs) <laughs> yeah this was fun for a while but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go back home so that's basically yeah. what happened there crush story played in uh in my town at around that time uh-huh and i remember like here I, I lived in madison at the time but um you guys played on the cross here and i didn't even know like it was day of the show it was a weird like sunday night and i had to drive back to madison that night but i stayed for the show not knowing until i really saw the flyer if you were even in the band uh, but on the flyer it fucking said um you know <laughs> members of screeching weasel and squirt on i think or something and it was yeah. like oh i hope he's in the fucking band because <laughs> nobody else in that band's you know i knew who yeah. it was you know did and you talk to enough, me at that show yes i did yep. i vaguely remember that because yep. you're like the one guy that was like are you zach were you, were you in Zoring, screeching weasel i'm like yeah as I vaguely remember that. That was the place with the gnarly stairs. Stairs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it's amazing that I remember stairs. that because I don't remember hardly any shows. So for some reason that one sticks out in my memory. Yeah, for some but, reason. Uh, I, yeah, that was that was actually a little bit later. That was um that's That was we were going out to work that was like two thousand three, I think. Okay. We were we were going out to record a grip of uh, crush story songs with masks. So okay. that's why we were out that way. For, um, I don't really remember, but for some reason, I remember you not singing much. Were you I singing didn't. that whole, Okay. Yeah, because at that point, I had been away for so long that when I came back to the band, 
the the lineup was totally different. So I switched from guitar to bass. So I was playing bass at that point. Okay. And yeah. um, that we had we had a guy playing keyboards, and he was also a songwriter. Um, another friend of ours was was kind of filling in on that tour as a second guitar player, and they could both sing really well. And um, my voice was start- starting to go at that point somewhat. And so I think I just kind of laid back and let those guys do all the vocalizing. Um, and I don't think we played any of the tunes that I sang on on that tour. So that's kind of yeah, what happened there. Yeah, I remember the, uh, was it the A plus electric record? I, did you? I don't even think you sang it. was on after that. Record, that. Yeah, see, yeah, I wasn't but, on that record at all. Yeah, and that this one was after that. That one kind of detoured from the the first seven inch and like the gain split. I remember it was like because you, obviously if you're not on it, you're not writing or singing, so right, <laughs> it's right. going to be fucking different. Yep, yeah, yeah. They got more, much more heavy into like Beach Boys and Beatles and stuff like that, which I totally dug. Um, but yeah, the band kind of evolved. Um, uh, you know, a bit while I was away. So when I came back to it, it was kind of a different band. So, so you 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 leave Screeching Weasel and your the Crush Story thing is uh, you know is in and out or whatever. Um, when does Big in Japan start? Because Big in Japan was so fucking great. <laughs> well, Big in Japan was actually before that, oddly enough. So oh. Big in Japan happened in. Like- yeah, 2001 was the first yeah. record. The band started in 99. Um, same girlfriend I mentioned earlier was going to law school in Sacramento, California. So I moved down there with her for a couple of years. And I started the band with um, two uh, twin brothers um, from a band you may have heard of from the 90s called Welt. Yes. I don't know if that rings any bells. I, it, I do. Re- it does ring a bell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sacramento band, obviously, and, uh, I had become friends with those guys from Zoinx. You know, we played some shows with them back in the day. And, um, so I started the band with them, uh, and we went, we tried to find a few bass players and we ended up going out, uh, well, we ended up flying mass out to record, uh, some demos and we had Joey from the gain come up from LA and play bass. And that's how he ended up being in the band. And then when we got signed to Honest Dons, the twins bailed out. So we ended up getting the drummer from the gain mm-hmm. and uh, another guy from LA named uh, Todd, um, Todd Ball, Todd Ball Schmales, uh to play second guitar. Um, and then we toured a bunch and I moved to LA for a short time, hated it. Came back to Reno because <laughs> then by that point, the girlfriend had moved back, had finished law school and moved back to Reno. So I moved back to Reno, uh, kicked everybody out of Big in Japan. Um, I'm trying to remember how yeah, it was kind of very convoluted. <laughs> but uh, somehow in there, there was this like downtime with Big in Japan somewhat. And then I rejoined Crush Story at that point. So I was crushed or in being in Japan coexisted for a time. Um, and actually Jim, the main, the other main songwriter in crush story, 
um, played on the second Big in Japan record. So there was a lot of uh, cross-pollination going on there. And I'm sure you're very confused at this point. <laughs> no. Um, I, I know, I remember when I first heard Destroy the New Rock, it was like this, uh, you know, it sounded kind of like Zoinks a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, it's it's back, you know? And, right. um, you know, and then, uh, is it Corky? Corky was in the band, obviously, from The Gain. Yeah. Um, did he play? I mean, it sounded like a mix of the gain and uh and zoinks to me yeah that's but uh, yeah there was a lot of i was i was pulling from the who and acdc and elvis costello and but yeah i mean you know my style of songwriting kind of pokes its head through no no matter how much i try to steal yeah. from other people <laughs> yeah and, uh, and having the rhythm section from the gain um and, and and also being a huge fan of the game too, there I took some influence from them as well. So it just yeah, just um, kind of made sense that there was a that element to that band for sure. Yeah, um, there's a couple songs on that record that definitely make me think of the game quite a bit. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I think at some point in your you know songwriting career, I guess um, you just can't help it, right? You just, what uh, you write is what you write, and <laughs> it's gonna sound like. You know, I mean, there's there's elements of Crush Story that I can, you can almost hear a little zoinks, and they yeah. don't sound anything alike, you know. So. Right, right. Well, even uh, my last my last band, which uh, I'm not sure you're if you're aware of, but I played my most recent local band was a band called Priscilla Ford, and um, we were going for more of a, I don't know, kind of like Black Sabbath meets Black Flag kind of punk and roll kind of, you know. <laughs> little heavier a little ragged more ragged rough around the edges you know okay. um and people tell me that even that stuff and i'm not singing on it but i wrote all most of the music um people still say they hear my songwriting in there even though it's completely different mm. from anything i'd done before so look it up sometime we have one record out priscilla ford is the name of the band we were named after an infamous uh serial killer here in town mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. i'll check it out yeah i ha- i did not know that so yeah um yeah and of course the second uh big in japan record is completely fucking different than the first yeah um, but i love it that was actually for a while there that was like my favorite thing you know i was just like listen to it uh, constantly well thank um, you it's that's, it's that's my my probably my favorite thing that i've ever done you know that that I wrote and and sang on. You know, I I, I kind of wondered. You know, was that a like a big studio thing for you? Uh, it sounds like the direction that it went in sounds like you and Mass sat in a studio forever and just sort of, you know, not um, not really. I I just had uh, I kind of knew what I wanted going into it and um i definitely pulled mass out of his comfort zone on that record <laughs> for sure because i was like everything he normally did with most of the bands that came through the studio i was like no I don't know, we're not doing it that way <laughs> we're doing something different yeah so, like it doesn't yeah. have uh, mass kind of had a sound i think you know oh, a lot yeah, of the stuff sure. you can kind of tell sometimes but sometimes all the bands sounded the same anyways but right this this record was something definitely special yeah and it's songwriting is kind of all over the place and, and yeah. I, fucking, I loved it and man. I, and i wanted it that way i meant it to be i wanted it to have variety i didn't want every song to sound similar 
to each yeah. other. So that was kind of the goal. And then, um, of course, you uh, you do the uh, miracle drugs thing at at some point, yeah. and it's very short lived. That was very short lived. Like one and seven inch, maybe is that it? <laughs> yeah, we we tried. We began recording an album, which actually technically is recorded, um, but we're calling it Big in Japan. So, but it's as of now still unreleased. So uh, all of those Miracle Drug songs ended up becoming Big in Japan songs. So there is an unreleased Big in Japan record, nice. but I do not sing on it because I can't sing anymore. My voice huh. is destroyed. So a friend of mine, um, a British gentleman from uh, England, <laughs> obviously, um, named Ben Weston, who is a big fan of mine, and we became friends over the years. Um, he flew out and did the vocal duties on the record and uh i'll send you a link if you're interested of course yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, we keep talking about releasing it but uh i don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day <laughs> hmm. well i hope so all right we'll so see. We, we, we've kind of gone through uh all your bands so i'm gonna throw um i'm gonna throw my zach damon top 11 at okay. you it's all sort right. of a mix uh i don't think there's any miracle drugs in here nope and whatever you got to say about these songs like i said good bad you know whatever sure let me have it so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten here comes the top eleven the top eleven top eleven top eleven here comes the top eleven these go to 11. All I'm right. Start with number 11. I'm going to start with uh, Big in Japan original. Yeah. 
what do you got to say about that song? Uh, <laughs> uh, original was a, um, it was, it was like a riff that I had had, I'd been hanging on to for years. Um, like, oh, I can't even think it probably, probably 10 years ish. I had that, that, that part. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, a melody for it, and and I just could never complete it. And uh, I finally did for that second uh, second Big in Japan record. Um, not much else to say about that one. Um, I just came up with the lyrics, and you know, just there was no no real story behind it. I just uh, that's what I you know generally with songwriting. Uh, you know, I'll start just kind of throwing out phrases just randomly. And lot, many times those will end up becoming um, the framework on which I build the lyrics uh, upon. So that's kind of how that one came to fruition. Um, nothing really crazy or special about that one. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, all right. How about carbon dioxide? Cut your legs off just below the knees I cut mine off right at the throat And for a moment you weren't begging me To drop that knife and just let go I keep my scissors in the junk drawer Stuck in my neck Between the blades you'll find the jugular Cut in line or stay in check I can't live without you I can't breathe another breath This air is much too thick without your carbon dioxide
right. So carbon dioxide was written uh, shortly before we left to record, and we we actually weren't going to record it because it wasn't really fully formed. Uh, but we ended up pulling it together at the last minute in the studio. And um, so around that time, um, I had broken up with my girl, same girlfriend <laughs> that I was talking about earlier. We had broken up and I was in a bad way. It was a rough time. And um, so most of that record was about that breakup. And, and that song was about that breakup. And it was probably the heaviest uh, subject matter wise out of, out of the bunch. And yeah. it just and it ended up having a totally different uh, feel to it than any other song on the record. Definitely so. the uh, you know just the guitar vocal in the beginning, right? Very almost dark sounding, you know. Yeah, it's very dark. That's what I was going for. It's how I was feeling, man. Feeling dark. So was that <laughs> was that the mood of the whole record? Is that why it's so eh, gloomy? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> because of of her. Yep. For the most part, um, I'm trying to think most of the, I think probably 80% of the songs are about that breakup. Hmm. Yeah. If not more, I'm trying to think, uh, most of it. And I mean, that's, you know, the title who, who really needs a heart anyway. That's, that was all, it was all about it. It was kind of almost like a concept record by accident. (laughs) That's it's it's I don't I mean I don't want to be a dick but you know we got such a good record out of it at least you know <laughs> right that's why um, you know a lot of people say it's um you know it's hard to write good music when you're when things are going well in your life yeah you know yes yeah, unfortunately all right so I guess my number nine would be uh, hooray from Zoinks ah. Um, um, a good anti-work song. Yeah, yeah. You had a lot of those. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Not a big fan of working. Well, I don't think most <laughs> you and Bob together. I think it was a perfect fit. Yeah. So uh, that song at the time, I was working at a printing and mailing company. Um, so basically, what that means is that we printed junk mail to be mailed to people. So it was like the most. <laughs> pointless job ever like you like i felt no there's no way anyone could feel any kind of satisfaction from printing like like literally making garbage to send to people in the mail um (laughs) and uh it was just one of those really you know monotonous um repetitive warehouse jobs you know you do the same thing over and over and over and over until you break you know and um, I hated it. They paid very little. Um, and I called in all the time. <laughs> in fact, I ended up calling in um, with the intent of getting fired so that I could collect unemployment. Because if I called in every day saying I was sick, they couldn't say that I quit or that I just didn't show up. <laughs> so that way yeah. I could. I could get unemployment. So I literally did that. I called in for like two and a half weeks straight. Like it was ridiculous every day. Eh, I'm still sick. Well, why don't you go see the doctor? Can't afford it. We have insurance. I can't afford the copay. <laughs> okay. 
And finally they're like, well, it doesn't seem like you want to work here. I said, no, I want to work there. I'm just really sick. And they're like, well, we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> okay. So it worked. That's, so, that's, so that's pretty funny. Yeah. So that's what that job or that song is about is, is me getting out of that job and getting unemployment. <laughs> so you just printed junk mail all day. That's what they do. I guess yep. I've never thought that somebody has a job like that, that just yeah. literally. Print, I was, garbage. I was, I was working on the labeling machine. So we would get, uh, pallets of stacks of junk mail. And we had this machine that you, you, you put stacks of the junk mail in this feeder and it would zip the each piece through and it would put a mailing address on each piece. And then they would go out in the mail. Um, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So um, that's the story of that one. All right. So maybe the first song I ever heard, but I don't know if this was the first song I ever heard, but Astronaut. the uh, opening track on a uh, bad move uh-huh um i fucking love this song it's still to the day um it's got the best some of the best woes in there yeah yeah that was um that we often opened with that one back in those days um just because it, it felt right not only as an opener for the album but just to play live it just had that you know that that oomph that get up mm -hmm. and go like you got you know um yeah and that one was just um yeah i had a crush on some chick whatever you know <laughs> so i wrote a silly little pop song and that's about it hmm. all right <clears throat> my number seven is uh joe versus the machine another fun work song i assume yeah about the same place same <laughs> 
and you're just the average Joe. I always assumed it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like the movie um, Joe versus the volcano. Yeah, that's where I where I stole the name. Oh, uh, okay, that's cool. And the machine was that labeling machine. Exactly. Okay, this has to be like <laughs> one of your most requested played songs, right? Which I mean, one? Joe versus the machine. It has uh, to be up there because I mean, it's like it seems like if you ever look up Zoinks on YouTube, that's like one of the ones that always pops up. Yeah, that one and and Uma, Uma. are two big ones, and then. Back in the day, everyone always wanted us to play the Greatest American Hero <laughs> theme song cover, yeah. which we hated playing. We hated playing that. Um, but that was like everybody's favorite. And, and it, it always blew my mind that, no, that people didn't get it, how that was kind of an insult. If they came up to me and said, that's my favorite song by you guys. <laughs> it's a cover. <laughs> it's a, it's not only is it a cover, but it's a novelty. It's a it's fucking, fucking theme TV. show. TV theme shows their TV themes, TV show theme song, you know? So I was like, Oh, well, great. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. There was that weird time in the, in the mid nineties where everybody had their, their goofy cover song. It seemed like, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was a popular thing to do back then for sure. At least you guys had one that was kind of, you know, off the beaten path a little bit, you know? Yeah. Wasn't that was our aim. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Sapsucker Slogo is probably another pretty popular one, I think. Yep, that's actually the number six song I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Um, it's on a, a few different recordings of yours. Um, yeah, think, we, we recorded it twice, just twice, I think. Just twice? Okay. The Bad Move one yeah. is, you know, hands down the, the, the better, you know, yeah. the better recording. I got really angry at a friend of mine at the time. Uh, cause he, he said he liked the original version better. <laughs> I got soup. We, I got in like a, like, uh, a real argument about it. It was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think that version is much better. It's got a lot more energy and, and fullness to it. And, um, the original version, uh, is just seems kind of like it's sedated, <laughs> you yeah. know, when, uh, when the band kicks in on the the uh, the bad move version, yeah, it just floors you. It's just heavy and just all yeah. out. That was good old Kevin Army. Yeah. Ah, that's, nice. who, that's who we recorded that album with. Did which... Did Dave Parasite do something with that record? <laughs> producer <laughs> he, or something he, with the? He was supposed to be producing, but that's why it says in the liner notes, Dave, Dave Parasite sat there and said it. Sound yeah. fine or something like that because that's all that's all he did he just hung out he didn't really do anything <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty funny yeah no that that's a great song though um just the impressiveness of how that was always my favorite i think when i was when i was younger you know just because it was so rocking right yeah um that was a fun one to play live too Cause just cause of the dynamics of it, you know, it, uh, when so we how, kick back in and I got the crowd going. So you guys, you get, you guys toured a lot, right? I think I saw three tours without you. So I imagine you guys did a bunch of tours, you know, when you were in the we, band, we did, um, we did, I think a few, a handful of like little, 
one weekers and we did a lot of weekend things. We go out of town and then uh, we did one really long grueling tour with Mandingo after we were touring for a bad move. And then I think we did one other big tour after that. And then I quit the band. So, cause yeah, cause Arnie joined the band and then we, I think we did one more long tour with Arnie before I left the band. And uh, that was a tour that we um, went to Hawaii and opened up for Green Day on, yeah, which was a big deal. Yeah, how did that? How did something like that happen? So uh, there was a guy. Uh, his name escapes me right now. Uh, there was a guy that was booking shows in um, in Hawaii at the time that was bringing bands from the mainland, and Bob had been talking to him. Uh, he wanted to bring us down. And it just so happened, he was also working for the production company that was doing the Green Day show. And it just so happened that the weekend we chose to go down was the same weekend Green Day was playing. And so he booked us a show for uh, just us headlining. Um, And then he was like, well, let me see if I can get you guys on an opening slot for Green Day. And we'd be like, that would be fucking fantastic. <laughs> and he did it. He pulled it off somehow. Wow. And we just ended up. So we played two shows in Hawaii back to back. The headlining show was weird. I was just talking to somebody about it the other day. Um, oh, I, well, I don't want to go on a tangent, but it had to do with, uh, I don't know if you're an MSD3K fan, um, but the new, the new guy, Jonah, um, mm-hmm. the new host on the show. Okay. Come to come to find out, was an old school Zoinks fan. Oh, nice. And was from Hawaii, and was at those shows. So that's why I was talking to someone about this. Um, but the headlining show we did the night before the Green Day show um, was very well attended. It was, I think, it was at a university or something. Um, but it was like crickets. We had like four hundred people, <laughs> and nobody moved. They just stood there and watched us and we would finish a song and like three people would clap it was the strangest thing ever wow yeah very odd and then the next day we played in front of ten thousand people (laughs) a little different (laughs) yeah and they were very very responsive at that show uh a good responsive i assume that that was yeah well that was my (laughs) first um encounter with the con there's a total different vibe um between playing like a small club or, you know, a house party or whatever and playing a concert, you know, yeah. <laughs> I just think people go to a concert with a certain kind of, um, goal in mind. Like they're there specifically to have a good time and hear music. And whereas with, um, you know, smaller shows, that's not necessarily the case. A lot of people just go to hang out yeah. and socialize, whatever. And so that's when I realized, like, playing a big show in front of a huge crowd that's there to see the headlining band, they're so stoked that if you're halfway decent, they'll dig you. And and it was amazing how how well that crowd um, responded to us at that show. We were nervous as fuck. Oh, yeah, I bet. Uh, but it was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, I mean, I... I said it last week. I think it was last week on the show. Uh, there's a you know a little bit of a comparison to Green Day and Zoinks. Oh yeah, always you know? there always was. Yeah. Um, and I mean I know the difference. I, obviously, I don't think Zoinks sounds like Green Day. I can just hear the, 
you know, the elements are there. But, yeah. um, I guess, you know, a Green Day crowd, especially back, you know, in 96 when they were still uh, good, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, why, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they love yeah. you guys? Yeah, no, it was, a, it, was a, it was a good fit for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, as long as we played halfway decently, there was no way we could lose on that one. And thankfully, we played all right. So <laughs> it worked out. Um, yeah, that was funny. I remember uh, that show being in the backstage-ish area behind the, uh, you know, kind of like they had like little tents set up and stuff. And I was mm-hmm. hanging out and like eating food from the buffet table. And um, Mike Dirt came up to me. He had noticed my old Screeching Weasel tattoo that I no longer have. It's covered. I have a new one now. Um where he noticed that and he came up to me. He's like, Hey man, uh, I, you know, I played bass in that band. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I know. And you're also the <laughs> bass player in green day, dude. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Uh, that that was, he was trying to like, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Well, I suppose at that time though, weasel wasn't huge, huge yet. And mm. Maybe yeah. they were, but <laughs> I mean, they were known, of course, but I just, I just mean that I thought it was funny that he was like boasting like, Hey, I played in that band. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's the thing that that's your lead off there. Yeah. Not, just, not green day, you know? Yeah, exactly. I wonder if he would ever do that again. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> um, the last, uh, big in Japan record that I mentioned earlier, we recorded, um at Jingletown um in the C studio. It was actually his assistant. Um he, he kind of let him use that space. So we recorded with him in there. And uh he came by a couple times, but never when I was there. Um but um yeah we ended up doing some weasel stuff there that never got used unfortunately. So I suppose he still talks to Ben. I don't know. Um, so I guess the next song is um, Uma.
I guess my main question about it is do you know if she ever heard the song i do she has really yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so obviously that was around the time pulp fiction came out and i was a huge fan of that film and i was obviously very much in love with uma thurman um <laughs> but you know i was tongue-in-cheek obviously um but yeah so a friend of mine um here in town that's like a skateboard snowboard um photographer that did a lot of i think he did some zoinks photography but he did a lot like most of the being japan photography he did some crush story stuff too i think um i don't know if it was him or a friend of his um was a f was friends with her and went snowboarding with her and uh he played the song for her so I know she's heard it. I don't know what, I don't remember if they, if they relayed a reaction. I don't recall any kind of like, this is what she thought about it. It was just like, oh yeah, I played it for her and that was it. So no, res no restraining order or anything. Yeah, <laughs> no. But, so That's as good. far as I know, from what I understand, she's heard the song and I, I hope she found it to be uh, endearing, yeah. charming at the it's very great least. Song. <laughs> that's one of those songs that that was on a, like at least one or two comps right the barrier were like one of the yeah. like maybe the lookout comp or i yeah. don't remember punk punk uprisings i think it was on that one okay uh i don't know what it might have been on something else i'm sure but uh yeah um I'm trying to think if there's anything to, else to add about that one um nope that's it i guess nope <laughs> You can't dance like Travolta. We know that. So no. Well, you know, later when we did the uh, reunion shows, I changed it to Ethan, from Gary to Ethan. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I'll kick Ethan's ass instead of I'll kick Gary's <laughs> ass. Um, you guys were on Doctor Strange most of the career, right? I mean, the the albums came out on Doctor Strange. Was there ever a moment where you know there was interest from a you know, whether Fat or Honest Don's or Lookout or anything? Uh, early on, there was some kind of interest from Lookout, um, but that obviously never went anywhere. So now we um, we signed with uh, Doctor Strange and stuck with them, and they stuck with them after I left. So, yeah. And then, no, it, but cool. to answer your question, yeah, we never really got any offers from anybody else that i'm aware of hmm. that was uh that's weird because it was the time you know 
Yeah, I don't know. I think that there was something about Zoinks. We were a little quirky um, compared to a lot of the other bands of the time. You know, yeah. we were a little more kind of we we kind of like were a little bit like on the fence between um, the lookout sound and the fat record sound. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, I think some labels didn't know what to make of us. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it's, it's hard to. I always put you guys like Zoinks and um, like Sinkhole and Sicko into yeah. this weird group of like this uh, uh, kind of descendancy, kind of Green Day, Jawbreaker ish, kind yeah. of all mashed together. It, it, you know, right? Sometimes yeah. it's so fucking fast that you don't know what's going on, and yet melodic as hell, and yeah, great right, songs. Right. And it's just short, fast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's that's what we were going for at the time. Yeah, sure. I definitely always put you and Sicko in the same category. Of yeah, we of played f- with them a lot. We were pals with them back back in the day. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's that was always a good fit. Playing it was always fun to play with those guys. Um, you know, they're playing again, right? They're back. Are they really? They I are. I did not know that. Uh, Red Scare Records put out a um, like a greatest, like a best of kind of deal. Oh wow! I That's think awesome. that just came out like last week, and nothing new on it, of course. But uh, a bunch of old songs reissued, and then um, they actually played a show. I think this past weekend in in Seattle and maybe in Portland, and then I know they're flying. I assume they're flying. They're going to New York to play a couple shows, maybe, uh-huh. and then out to San Francisco. So they're playing shows sporadically awesome and i fucking watched a video and they sound fucking great <laughs> wow that's good that's great man it's good it's for amazing them. but yeah yeah okay so yeah, all the all the old guys are like we're all on our nostalgia trips i guess <laughs> <laughs> um so next up is a is a big in japan song um uh tin toy tin toy yeah off that ep yeah that was a uh that was that EP was comprised of um, outtakes, so that was Tin Toy was nixed by Mr. How, Fat Mike. How, <laughs> really? How I yeah. was going to ask you how that song doesn't make a record because it's so good. I mean, it's close to the it's sort of Crush Story, like it yeah. sounds like it might have fit in that first EP, but he didn't like this song. No, he didn't like that That's, song. I think it's one of yeah. my favorite Big in Japan songs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no big story there either. Uh, it's just a tune that uh, I'd been toying around with for a while, and it wasn't really about anything. I was in, I was uh, in a relationship at the time, and so there was no turmoil. I, it was just kind of uh, uh, yeah, fiction, I guess. <laughs> Who is the uh, Who's the girl on the cover of that? Um. That's just a picture I found just looking around on the web. I was just looking for like a a cool photo of like a modish yeah. model, okay, you know, from the '60s, and and I don't remember where exactly I found that photo, but we certainly didn't ask anybody if we could use it. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> the, no one's aware of the record, so no one's going to come uh, suing me. Yeah, it's it's not readily available, so no, no. I think at uh, some point, like she's probably flattered that you know, 
uh, someone is appreciating her her beauty and her yeah. youth, you know. <laughs> yeah, and her and her Vespa or Lambretta. I can't remember yeah. which. And she's got broken <laughs> glasses too. I'm looking at the picture right now. Her her sunglasses are busted. Oh, I never noticed so. that. Or you guys cropped it out by accident, maybe. We that could very well be the case because we <laughs> did crop out all the background, obviously. Yeah, I'm guilty of that when I do the covers for these shows, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do shit all the time, so. Ah, yeah. no big deal. Nobody nobody cares anyway, so. <laughs> all right. Um, so we got three left, and one of my favorites is Roid Rage Talk Show. about jerry springer right yeah that was just uh yeah just about those bad <laughs> midday talk shows where they just trot out you know freaks and weirdos People's problems and, and yeah and make fun of them basically and just how ludicrous that whole thing is and um yeah it's just a yeah no big story there it's just probably me you know sitting at home collecting my unemployment checks and watching uh, bad daytime television <laughs> ricky lake and jenny jones we yeah. had uh we had norb on a couple weeks ago and i asked him about him being on jenny jones did uh -huh. you happen to see that i vaguely remember seeing that yeah, i don't remember any of the content uh, some girl had a crush on him and he came out uh, in, in that, full that yeah helmet and everything so yeah with his zoink sticker he took the z off oinks right <laughs> isn't it is he wearing that helmet? 
<laughs> I don't remember if that's on that helmet or not. It's been so uh, long since I've seen. Actually, I watched it. Not I didn't watch the whole thing, but I yeah. showed my um, I showed my son because Norb was oh, going to okay. be on the show, and I was like, yeah, this is you know, this guy's a fucking legend, you know, and and I put it on, and uh, he's he didn't get it, you know, he's ten. Yeah. So for him to see a guy wearing a motorcycle helmet with deer antlers sticking out the top is. Yeah. yeah look, look up a picture of him wearing that helmet unless he retired that one and made a new one. Or if, I don't, I thought he only had one, but for a long time he had the one helmet with the antlers and he took a Zoink sticker, uh, cut out all the letters, left out the Z. So it just said oinks <laughs> on the front on the very front of it. If memory uh, serves. I'm uh, the one that I, that one that he wore is the geek one. So oh, okay. Maybe it got so covered he, up by geek or something. He, oh, he probably covered it up. Yeah, or he had another one. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So love that song, but it uh, not as if. And I hope you wrote this song. I did. This was, okay. Good. Yeah. So far, I've written all of these. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, that one. Um, uh, I, you know, sounds like you you were around at, at the time. Um, there was that big divide um, because of Green Day in the punk scene, um, mm-hmm. where if you played happy tunes with you know nice melodies, and um, it's certain people in the punk scene really looked down upon that, oh, yeah. and did, didn't take it seriously, and. It was a joke to them, and so that was just uh, my middle finger to those people. <laughs> so okay, yeah, yeah. I definitely my town was was one of those um, hardcore stuff did very well here, and yeah, you know. same here. Reno's always been a metal hardcore town for some reason. I um I I did a I set up a Zoink show here. Obviously, you weren't in the band. It's probably. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. Two thousand ninety nine, two thousand, and mm-hmm. I did it at the um, um, at the university, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I, I I had a friend that got me into this uh, university <laughs> coffee shop slash bar, mm-hmm. and you know in house PA stage, nice place, really cool, but you had to be um, you had to be sponsored by some kind of a, a student um organization right well he happened to be involved with one of them so and it was some i don't remember the name but some uh environmental group and um so it was basically zoinks the opening band presented by this this student organization and the deal was it was it was a non-profit thing and the money which my my friend was like, don't worry about it. We'll just work the door, but we we won't take any money, you know. Yeah. Well, I I made good on the on the um, on the guarantee for Zoinks and the other right. bands, but uh-huh. it was like at the end of the night, he wasn't working the door. It was oh. somebody that was actually in the organization, and oh. they kept like half of it. Oh so, shit! Turned out to be like the most expensive show I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, did you pay, you pay out of pocket? I paid out of pocket. Yeah. It wasn't uh, terrible. It wasn't see, like if it was, I was in the band, I would have not let that happen. I don't think I told anybody, you know, wow. and it, this was 20 years ago, so it's yeah. not a big deal. But, um, I remember the breakdowns. I don't know if you know that band, but it's uh Brendan from like Lawrence arms. 
uh-huh. and Slapstick. It's, it was his band, and it was like when they first started. And Slapstick had played up here all the time. So right. I think that's why most of the people kind of came, you know, because like, they'd never played here. You know, people yeah. didn't really know them. So, but um, they, they did fucking awesome. But um, yeah, and he was kind of aware of the situation a little bit. So I didn't exactly pay them probably what right. they probably deserved. But, and they weren't really on tour. They just drove up from, you know, Chicago, which isn't that far. But yeah, yeah, but it's that kind of town, you know. Well, we played um, in Alaska one time with the gang, actually. Uh, this kid flew both bands up to Alaska. We stayed at his house, and his parents like <laughs> fed us breakfast, and it was awesome. And we played the two two nights in a row, I believe. And um, it was so cool because it was in Anchorage, but it's so uh, isolated up there that no bands come through there hardly. Um, so like every kid in within a hundred miles came to these shows because there was nothing else to do you know mm. so we had like a, just the craziest cross-section of kids all into all kinds of things that just showed up just you know and it was super fun uh but the the guy that flew us up and and he he gave us or uh, offered us guarantees and he ended up losing his ass big time and um, I refused my portion of the of the guarantee. I said I told him to keep it. Uh, Bob, of course, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's man. I mean, the, the flight alone's got to would kill the guy, right? Yeah. I, was, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of don't know what he was thinking, really. <laughs> but uh, he, I don't think he had much uh, wiggle room there. You know, like. I can't imagine that if he crunched numbers that, that there was, he must've been really, really dead set on a certain number of people coming out and they were both well, well attended, but apparently not well enough. So, oops, that's, that's I learned, nuts. I learned, learned a, a harsh lesson in business on that one, I guess. Hmm. All right. So my number one Zach Damon song, any guesses? Uh, hmm. No, I have no idea. Trial and error. I guess I took a lot, they made a mess. Wouldn't 
should have guessed that one so i gotta ask you yeah. what's your crush story big in japan or squirt gun which is your favorite <laughs> version uh probably the crush story one even though it's kind of wonky oh, but fuck it's got, it, that's the best uh, one by far it's got great energy yeah yeah i didn't want to do it again in big in japan but the other guys really really wanted to do it we played it live um and they just like insisted on doing it so i i agreed um but yeah, so definitely the Crush Story version is my favorite. And yeah, that was my first uh, attempt at writing a Costello-esque definitely. type song. <laughs> and uh, turned out all right, I guess. It's fucking great. Um, how does it end up on a Squirt Gun record? Is it just uh, Mass loved just the loved song it so much? Yeah, Mass loved the song. Like loved, still loves that song. Um. And he just, yeah, same thing. He demanded <laughs> that it be recorded by Squirker. And I said, okay. I remember when I got that record and I saw the title, the track listing on the back. And it was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me, really? And that's the first one I listened to. <laughs> that and one's pretty stiff. Yeah. Cause it got, it got massified, you know, the click track and everything's very, ah, ah, ah. yeah, but no. it sounds great, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just balls out. You know, but the Crush yeah. Story version is so much better, but um, just because it's different, you know. Right, but, um, right. No, but yeah, the, the Squirt Gun version is, is definitely Squirt Gun. You know, it sounds like Squirt Gun, but right. I thought it was the coolest thing when I first heard it. <laughs> just because I think it's a great song, and it's, it's, it's great to hear, you know, another version of it, I guess. Yeah, oh, it's fun. Especially Different. done by a band of uh, like Squirt Gun, you know, of yeah, that caliber. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, when uh, I think, did we play that one? I think we played, yeah, we have. Because I don't know if you knew or not, but I, I've been playing with Squirt Gun recently mm-hmm. on occasion. And we're actually playing the fest in a couple months. I, uh, I talked to a friend of yours. Who's that? Um, Dave Klein. Oh, I love Dave. D- Dave. Dave's playing with Chad Price right now. 
Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, I talked to him. Yeah, so we're good. definitely going to meet up uh, when we get out there. But they, uh, uh, go on, what were you saying? Uh, they played here last week, I think it was. And um, I had never met Dave, and I didn't even know Dave was in that band. Yeah. Until um, I was informed that you know it wasn't the, the, the normal rhythm section, and then somebody said Dave Klein. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit, that guy played in Weasel. And then I was, and this was, <laughs> this was last week, you know? So I'm yeah. like, oh, shit, I'm, what are the odds of that? I'm going to be talking to, you know, I'm going to meet Dave tonight and talk to Zach tomorrow. That's crazy. So <laughs> I did ask him, I'm like, you were in, you know, Weasel with Zach. And he said, yeah. And then he, right away, he said, I'm going to see Zach at Fest, you know? Yeah. I'm yep. like, what do you mean you're going to see Zach at Fest? What the fuck? And he yep. said, Squirt Gun. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't even know Squirt Gun was playing the Fest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. That's a crazy lineup this year, man. I'm, I'm pretty stoked on that. Um, but Did yeah, you we, say you were singing we, uh, or just playing guitar? Uh, I, I sing backups. I don't do any. Oh, leads. that's right. You just said you don't got, sing anymore. Uh, but you have sang yeah. with Squirt Gun, though. Yes. yes. Yeah. Back in the day, Matt Hart uh, was always busy with school and could never go on tour. So I would fill in on lead vocals, um, you know, for like whole tours. And mm. people would be really confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one tour, we had people coming in and out through the whole tour like flav would be with us for a while matt would be with us for a while and so i had to really be on my toes because i would my job would change you know from for a few days i'd be just playing rhythm guitar and singing backups and then then i'd be playing just rhythm guitar and vocals and then i'd be doing all the above and you know so that was crazy but uh yeah but what i was saying is uh squirt gun uh i think the last few shows we played we've played trial and error because Mass still loves that song, so um, yeah. So it still it still has some life in it, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those songs that I think is uh, I, I don't know, like part of your legacy. Yeah, I mean, I think Zoinks is is for me at least. I think most people, you know, Zoinks is is your thing, your baby, right? It started and, out that way, and then it morphed into something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think, you know, you 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 were in Screeching Weasel, of course, who was much bigger than Zoinks. Yeah, but um, yeah, and that gets mentioned. But I think most people, you know, yeah. Zoinks was that was your thing, and you know, it lived on forever. It seemed like yeah. not long enough, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and, it still uh, surprises me when people Zoinks. <laughs> you know, I work at a at a planetarium, and I had uh, a field trip. Uh, a couple months ago <laughs> and there was a mom chaperoning that was like hey weren't you in zoinks <laughs> yeah, yeah i sure was i saw you back when i was in high school <laughs> i'm like thank you i feel really old right now <laughs> like uh yeah that that's not that can't make you feel too good but <laughs> it's still nice to be recognized i guess you know yeah, there was always the one every, at almost every Screeching Weasel show. There was always one person yelling zoinks at me from the crowd. You know. So yeah, I hope fun. I didn't do that. I, I only saw you play one time here with with Crush Story. I hope uh, I, I assume I didn't. I, I hope I didn't bug you too much about no zoinks. Yeah. I I never <laughs> minded that. You know, I never got too much of it, so I never minded it. Um, it was always funny though. It's you know, I'd go to parties and. There's always dudes, never girls. <laughs> Only guys were impressed with me and wanted to talk to me, which is fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. I always kind of wished, especially when I was single, you know, 
how come no girls like want to talk to me about zoinks? <laughs> so you didn't work at a planetarium yet, I guess, right? What was that? You didn't work at the planetarium yet. Right, right. Yeah. That's when they approach you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we have, um, will there ever be a Zoinks reunion of any sort? Uh, like a second reunion? Yeah, Probably, second. probably not. No? Mostly yeah. because I can't, I just can't sing anymore, man. Yeah. Like, I can do like a song or two. And and then I'm done. My voice just goes. So, unfortunately, I wasn't wasn't kind to myself in my 30s. So I kind of destroyed my voice, my vocal mm. cords. How was that uh, um, that reunion that you did with Arnie playing? How was that to play those songs that you didn't record, like the Well and Good stuff that he fun. sang? Yeah. Those were fun. Yeah, I had a good time playing those songs, and those reunion shows were fun. We we had every intention of. Uh, continuing on and we, we were talking about doing a new album and but it just kind of fizzled out it's like you know it was definitely a nostalgia trip you know the first very first show we did uh, was uh, a huge success in my estimation uh, i mean people flew in from out of the country for christ's sake crazy um to reno to come see us you know <laughs> uh and, uh, and then we played a couple more and each time we played, less people came. <laughs> we just kind of realized, ah, uh, yeah, this is just a nostalgia thing. Like, uh, and I think so. We just all kind of lost interest, you know. Yeah, but you yeah, never that's... know. You never know. I don't know. Never say never. Uh, you know, there's lots of bands that the guys in the band said they'd never do it, and here they are. <laughs> yeah. I Especially if there's good money involved, I suppose. Yeah, and plus, you know, at some point you just you want to relive that or just hang out with the guys again and yeah, just enjoy sure. the songs and shit. So, and and it's it, it brings joy to people, you know, uh, both people that are that saw the band back in the day and and people that got to know the band well after the band was gone, you know. It's, it's cool for both those groups of people. <clears throat> so I don't know. Well, you never know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, Hey man, uh, it's awesome that you're here. I know, I know Jody's kind of bummed because, uh, we're both big Zoinks fans. Um, I've been a fan for a long time. So it's, it's, we, you were one of the first guys that I wanted to get on, but like we had, no, I didn't know how to get a hold of you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks to Phil for that. Um, yeah, but yeah, Thanks so much, dude. This it's been fun. Anytime you want to come back and chat, or you know, of course, yeah, just, man. Uh, any any time. You got my digits. Keep in we, touch. And, we do. And the, I I do listen to the show. I appreciate it, man. It's it's awesome, and I uh, hope everything's well. And take care. You too, man. And uh, yeah, I'll be listening. It was nice chatting with you. I will be in touch. All right, dude. All right. Have a Talk good night. To you later. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, what's up? This is Kurt Baker, and you are tuned in to the one and only Dummy Room Podcast. Yeah! Yeah, so, Zach Damon, man, that was pretty fun. For me, I guess, at least, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty cool either way, man. You know, he's a cool dude, made a lot of good music over the years, so pretty rad yeah. that he came on.
Yeah, and a uh, some possible future uh, big in Japan. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, pretty cool. So if you are uh, if you're in the uh, path of fest or anything like that, uh, Squirt Gun's playing. So just go check them out. I love Squirt Gun, man. We don't we don't talk much about Squirt Gun, and I don't know why. It's just one of the bands we just haven't really touched on. Too busy talking about Weasel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll get to Squirt right. Gun, man. Be patient. You know what I mean? We got plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep, so next week is a uh, special Johnny Ramone's birthday thing. So we'll see you guys later. Peace.